2: Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: The Around the NFL podcast is winning on and off the field.
3: Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes. A giant room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, Connor Orr. And Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, <laughs> man. From the Media Center, Super Bowl Media Center in Phoenix.
4: Radio the, Row.
3: Radio Row around the NFL podcast on the road for Super Bowl 49 guys. This is very important.
4: We almost started the podcast while Connor was still in the bathroom. We were in the dark. That's uh, not the best way to sell our...
2: Oh yeah,
5: Connor, <laughs> remember? Not
4: here. normally here. It's great to have you, you know. I know, bar. I'm here to permanently
3: ruin the... The, the chemistry?
4: The chemistry yeah. that you
3: guys have So You're off to a great start. Best yeah. <laughs> room Uh This is our first of three shows from Arizona. Uh, we are doing. Uh, this is the only show we'll be doing uh, from Radio Row. Uh, but there is a video podcast, so maybe it is not the only show we're doing. Another podcast on Thursday, but it'll be all video. And Greg, do you have the details for that? Because I have none. Well,
4: first, it's <laughs> Friday,
3: right? Oh, it's Friday. Okay, so we're really you know we're ta- started, we're taping.
4: So. We got lots of planned games. There's going to be some softball pants involved, which I'm very excited yep. about. It's going <laughs> to be this- probably the biggest around the NFL show ever. And yes, it's going up on Friday afternoon, which is a little different, but you know, you can watch it all weekend. On NFL now. Maybe on Sunday on NFL now before the Super Bowl. Maybe just instead of the Super Bowl. It's it's gonna be the best show ever.
2: Remember last year at this time we were operating in New York City
4: out of a weapons closet. Right? <laughs> so this is a massive upgrade for the for us well, in general. The podcast is growing. People have come up to Mark Sessler especially. It's got well, that to, didn't go so well. It's though. gotten <laughs> to the point I think we're we lost podcast, more fans than we can a podcast today. fan really was yelling at Mark Sessler how much he how much he loves the quiet storm and Mark pretty much gave him like the that is, high is high. not yeah.
3: fair at all. That it is was, accurate. It this was, was up at, in let me just set the stage. It was well, on media day and it was we were we were working down on the floor and a gentleman from Canada, which is a country north of America, uh, <laughs> said, "Quiet storm, quiet storm." And Mark just shot up an icy glare. And he's I said, "Totally not representing." Mark, what that's that, you know, that's a fan. No, no, right. No, well, now on. what happened? Okay.
2: Well, number one, we are next to a wild swarm of Seahawks fans that were chanting. I had the headache of the decade, and all I heard was this person looking down on us. I thought he's trying to antagonize us. And get us in some sort of a scuffle, and I'm, I'm not going there. But then I realized later that he was trying to get our attention, and we had a nice chat with him. And I've gone
3: back and forth with him on Twitter multiple times to try to heal this. This is what you call damage control in the industry. Um, all right, so this is this is our so we're gonna we're gonna get into Media Day, which was an absolute zoo at the uh, the home arena. A lot of people say, "Oh, the home arena of the Phoenix Suns." I like to say the Phoenix Mercury. Four-time WNBA champions, <laughs> so we were there uh, this morning for media day, which was insane, and uh, we got a lot of stuff to get to. Uh, also, we gotta you know we're going to talk about uh, the headlines. We haven't been we haven't talked together in a while. It's been the longest we've gone between shows uh, in over a year. So we're going to get into some headlines. What's going on in the league? We're going to talk more about deflated balls. Which is fun, good, and uh, and then we're going to get it. We're going to talk a little bit about um, storylines that nobody's talking about, but they should be at a Sunday's game, because see, everybody's everybody's talking about the same stuff. But this is where Wes, you're the scientist. We bring a different perspective on the game of football. It'd be nice
6: to be actually talk about what happens on the field.
3: That's what we plan to do. <laughs> so let's yeah, let's start with Media Day. We'll talk about what happened before what's become known as the Sessler incident. Um, <laughs> this, is, um, this was the craziest. And Mark, you and I have done four of these together now. To me, moving it from a stadium into an arena wasn't that big a deal last year in Jersey. It felt like it was more condensed, but not too condensed. This year, with all this stuff going around, the Patriots, I imagine, led to a flood of additional credentials being handed out. This was a madhouse today.
2: Yeah, I just, the, the main takeaway for me was the smells. You know, you just have people, large bodies, just pressed against you, and like twenty thousand dollar equipment banging into your head as people are trying to, you know. And I'm not a giant guy; I'm an obvious target. These guys think we're going to move him out of the way Mm. and get our quote, and I don't like that behavior at all. There were
6: probably other things that happened in Media Day too. It's a bizarre combination of self-promoting bozos like the guy in a barrel or the provocatively dressed guy had a big day, acting like reporters. (laughs) And then you have actual reporters who have, the, you know, the manners of barnyard animals <laughs> just muscling their way through because their story's more important than yours. So that's basically what media day is. Did, West, did you learn anything important, anything at all, football-wise? I think Chris Berman is my outlier this year. Which oh, yeah. Well, had a run-in with... Last Lumber, year, Outlier was a punk. Just pushes his way to the front, nudges everyone out of the way. Berman pulled the same thing today. He's so more important than everyone else, and then he asked the most inane question. Media day is not a good day for Chris Wesley. It's just not a fit <laughs> with his sensibilities.
3: Um, I guess, Greg, I'll toss it to you. What did you What did you take away from the event? That maybe isn't maybe not you're not as prickly about the event. I just would curious what you. Well, have I that
4: Michael Bennett is a delightful. Oh, he's great at this. Uh, nice. Fountain of insanity. Like he is commit. Like I. It seems like with most guys who are kind of like the wacky guy on the team that it's a. It's a bit it's contrived, usually, and yeah. I feel. Like like he's naturally just insane because he's so committed to each and every answer being from like planet Jupiter that I appreciate. He it was did very it entertaining.
6: My favorite line of the day when I asked him why we should expect Dan Quinn to be a successful head coach, <laughs> that said. and he said, "I think it's because in big games he continues to drop his lower extremities." Right. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's pretty much what you're looking for. Um, one thing that I, that I took away was Russell Wilson. Uh, we know that he's he's very good at the Derek Jeter school of say nothing at all, uh, but he seems like a guy that is at complete ease. I don't know if you guys got to stop by his podium at all, but he was uh, very loose, very relaxed, and I I guess that's you know I guess maybe that's one thing you could look at with the Seahawks that they're in such a better spot in terms of. They, for the last you know eight days now or whatever, have had no distractions. They have not dealt with any of that s- stuff that the Patriots are with the deflated ball stuff. I mean, did you sense at all, like, a difference between the teams and how they were reacting?
5: I almost felt like they needed it, though. Like, the Seahawks yeah. are like a team that needs
4: to be bothered in order to thrive in some mm. capacity. So I like, like it. Maybe they're getting soft, right? Uh, kind of like they oh. were in the NFC Championship game, which people have conveniently forgotten. They got you know tossed around the field for 56 minutes. And the Patriots, maybe they're the ordinary
2: ones. I think the Patriots, like, Monday, Monday's press conference, Monday night, was tension-packed, and it was very weird setting. I think this was, you know, I, I like to go over to where the assistant coaches are because it's less crowded. You love assistant coaches. I love them, and they You, you want to be an assistant coach. Well, it's their chance to talk, and I thought the most impressive guy for me today was Josh McDaniels, who in, in yeah. the past has been labeled as something of a disaster on various scales, and, like, He really was. He spoke for probably, what, 50 straight minutes. Connor was over there, too. I mean, he just, nothing stopped him. And and the coaches seem focused. If, If it's all, I think Kraft and Belichick have taken the major brunt of this and Brady, but Players and younger coaches, assistant coaches, did not seem to be off their game. No. And especially McDaniels, who was
5: basically asked 30 times, do you remember how bad of a head coach you were? Right. <laughs> you know, right. <laughs> you know right. and just gracefully just handled it. Denver of, like, Media, yeah.
4: who came here, it's close by Phoenix and Denver, and they have nothing else to do, really, other than talk to McDaniels. I get... Oh, go ahead. I, I was going to say, also, I think, like Mark said, yesterday got a lot of the, the bad vibes out of the way for the Patriots. And it did feel like today, after a week of... Talking about deflated balls, that we sort of turned the corner, and, and maybe there will be other reports. But I felt like the craft and investigator Ted Wells and the Glazer report, which we'll talk about later, all that happening on Monday—that was kind of the la- everyone trying to get the last word in before we switched to football for the rest but of the week. I
3: think one thing the Patriots benefited from here was there was no big turn in the story before, immediately before media they started, and to me it felt like. Uh, Belichick and the whole team got off the hook a little bit on what could have really been a feeding frenzy you didn't hear about that afterwards it was more to me a lot of the storylines were your typical storylines you know uh, Marshawn Lynch didn't talk again this time he said the same thing 30 times and then walked off the podium uh, you know, I went over. I talked to Gronk, and it was like, you know, it was there wasn't no edge talking to Gronk because of this scandal going on. He was typical Gronk. He told me, by the way, Bobby Goons his personal driver. He told me, ex- this is around the NFL exclusive. Exclusive <laughs> told me that they're t- driving the Gronk party bus from Foxborough to Arizona. It's in route right wow. now. Dan Hansus exclusive. Bobby Goons. <laughs> uh, I will accept the Pulitzer. <laughs> at NFL Honors, by the way. For
2: I that. liked when someone asked or offered to Belichick to murder someone on behalf Wait, of what? the team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah there was I mean, this third is. question, and Belichick said, "I'm just focused on Seattle." Someone <laughs> else said, "Belichick, <laughs> seriously?" Went, did. <laughs> someone tell a Katy Perry halftime show what's your breakdown on the on the trying to do something at halftime? Belichick, I'm just focused on Seattle. The guy is unflappable; would not he be did, taken. He did
5: flawlessly answer what his favorite Joe Pesci movie was, and it was both Home Alones. Oh, one get two. out of here, Belichick. <laughs> and then he said, my cousin Vinny was third, even though he... Home
2: Alone
3: 2 was awful retread. Home Alone 2 was Home Alone 1, but put in New York
4: City. Maybe mm. that's, you know, a mm. fond memory with Steve Belichick, his son. Maybe they watched that together. Yeah. Ooh, is that a little bit of a tease for the Mark Sessler... Talk about Pulitzers, he's going to drop a... <laughs> feature on Steve Belichick, Bill Belichick's son. Well, good luck trying to get the
2: Patriots to even describe (laughs) what this assistant coach does. No one would say
4: a thing. He's a mysterious man.
3: Speaking of Bolter, Sessler taking some hotshot photos with his iPhone at Media Day, (laughs) put him in black and white, threw him up on his Facebook page. People buzzing, both in his (laughs) internal social media circle and on Twitter.
2: Yeah, I mean, our photographer, Ben liebenberg he, I saw him sweating a little bit because he (laughs) produced a photo of our group that had Dan's head fully obscured.
3: Yeah, I was like, you're a professional photographer, (laughs) and you're chopping me out. (laughs) (laughs) What a jerk. Speaking of jerks, and I I don't know if I'm speaking out of school here, because I didn't have a lot of interaction, but I did hear from a certain around the league member that, uh, around, around the NFL member, that Earl Thomas, media day's jerk. Oof. Yeah, I think that's
4: fair to say. You know, every year you find some people that are pleasant surprises. I really thought Chandler Jones was an interesting, engaging yeah. guy to talk to. He was. Uh, there were a number of Seahawks as well. But Earl Thomas, just he was kind of giving everyone the hi-hat. Kind of a jerk.
3: And you know, you know who took he took the title from? Last year's biggest jerk of the media day, Matt Prater. Oh yeah, yeah uh, that, really? that was care. a Dan-centric villain. Uh, <laughs> last year they had like they had like in little pig pens the people that weren't as important uh, that didn't get risers, and they stuck all the special teams guys and other players that weren't stars and prayed or pretended to be on the cell phone whenever somebody tried to ask him a question with a big giant diamond earring stud in his uh, earlobe. And it's like, bro,
2: kicker, <laughs> <laughs> so many problems
3: there. Anyway. He got his come up in- he did get his comeuppance. Anything else from Media Day that we want to get to before we move on to the headlines?
2: Uh, One thing, last year I remember coming out of Media Day with a pretty clear idea of what Seattle's plan was against Peyton Manning, that they were really actually right out there saying, we're going to get to this guy, hit him early, and shake him up. I mean, we had written four stories on that front at this point. I didn't hear as specific uh, a take on how to deal with the Patriots from Seattle.
6: They're not giving anything away this year. Not this
1: time.
4: Well, it's the same, isn't it? Mean,
1: right.
6: Get, get, do what quick,
1: do.
4: get yeah. quick pressure to them. Uh, one thing I did hear today on that front, and I'm not even remembering who it was right now, but uh, one of the Seattle defenders talking about that they thought playing Rodgers was really good prep for Brady, especially Rodgers in his hobbled state, because the Packers were so focused on getting the ball out quickly, and that's what Brady does. And they talked about just really being on top of tempo, because they they say Brady's very tough to predict when he's going to snap the ball, and that surprises defenders and keeps them behind. So I thought that was interesting that he thought that was the best possible preparation was Rodgers, one of the smartest quarterbacks in the league, but sort of in a state where he was about as mobile as Brady. Although McDaniels was touting
5: the newly mobile Tom Brady today, so...
4: Right, well, I, I, down, I right. think that's true. I I went back. I'm serious. I went back. Greg buys into Patriots narrative. That's I like this. I I'm gonna do a piece later in the week. You know how the Patriots win, how the Seahawks win. So I went back through my notebooks. One of Dan's favorite. Oh uh, uh, yeah, things of mine that I always have. So, it's know, like Charlie if-
3: Day's chicken scratch it, always <laughs> and always sunny in Philadelphia.
4: So it was like a sign of a uh,
6: chicken in there. Uh, yeah. So
4: Socks. see if I can find any common themes when I looked at the different games. And a lot of it was like Tom Brady is making more plays with his feet this year. A lot more true. plays, kind of late in the down, as people say. You know, he's not Aaron Rodgers out there, but he was doing the it. The Broncos decent. game that the Patriots won Right, the matches. regular yeah, season. He game. was
6: very. You can tell a big difference between him and Peyton Manning in that game.
2: One other thing McDaniel said was that having Darrell Revis on the roster, they believe that that Helps. is a major <laughs> benefit to deal with Richard Sherman, though, oh, because okay. they're such intense practice players and prepares
4: and game watch and game film watchers that they think it's just helped the entire offense. Well, another thing now that we are we're still talking about Revis and the secondary and Browner now a member of the Patriots. I liked how honest he was when they brought up they tried to bring up you know the fact that he said he told his wide receivers. You know, take Sherman out, take his elbow out, take Earl Thomas out, injure him. He basically just said it. And normally a player is going to walk that back, but today Browner just said that's part of the game. You you have an injured ankle, I'm going to go for it. He's like, y- you have an injured knee, like we're going to dive at it. And I, I don't know. I like Brandon. I like Brandon Browner that, on this team. That reminds me of Brandon. What Damushek
3: told me at the media day, and we really should move on to headlines, but it was so funny. <laughs> uh, Damashek always asks a great uh, inane question to these players every year. Last year was uh, uh, asking players, "Do you think this is a must-win game?"
4: <laughs> <laughs> really, that's the greatest of all time. Uh,
3: this year, he was asking, and I hope I'm not giving away his segment, but you know, what are you gonna do? Uh, he was asking players, you know, who who do you think wants this more? Who wants it more? Is this game <laughs> gonna come down to who wants it more? And he asked Brandon Brown, and uh, Brandon D- Browner looked him up and down and said,
4: "I can't believe you work. They pay you at NFL Network." <laughs> <laughs> I like your Browner impression more than your Sherman impression. Thank you. you.
3: Alright, let's move on to the headlines. Uh, and we'll, yeah, we need to get, because we, as we've talked about, we were, we've were we been out of the mix for a while. Uh, so let's talk about some of this gate stuff. NFL gumshoe Ted Wells, Mark Sessler, back in the mix. He is handling the independent investigation <laughs> of the deflated football scandal, tying back to the AFC Championship game. So that's an ongoing thing. Uh, we got an update a few days ago from Wells saying that they Spoken to uh, spoken to forty people inside the organization. Not Tom Brady, though.
4: He said, curiously. "Don't." Ted Wells also said, though, "Don't read NFL in, gumshoe, Ted Willis Don't read into who they've talked to and when. Don't expect an answer anytime soon." Basically, they're going to talk to everyone. Pay no attention they to the to man Brady behind the thing, curtain, anyways.
3: Yeah. So anyway, so then Bob Kraft, who's who after initially wasn't really. Uh, in the in frame on this story has popped up now the last couple of days, and he uh, uh, had a press conference in which uh, he said, "If and here's a quote, and Greg, you, you just listen in because this is this your boy. <laughs> if the Wells investigation is not able to definitely determine that our organization tampered with the air pressure of the footballs, I would expect and hope the league would apologize to our entire team, and in particular to Coach Belichick and Tom Brady for what they had to. Here's a key word: endure. This last week." Uh, This is a big story, Greg.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I, I wasn't that into this story on any level initially. I thought, you know, it's making a mountain out of a molehill. I started to get into it a little more on Monday when the Glazer report came out that we'll talk about and the Robert Kraft surprise press conference before Belichick because it's pretty rare to see an NFL owner go out there and really challenge the league and say that he was disappointed in how the league and the media has handled something and he expects an apology and it does raise like the craziest conspiracy theory at all what if the patriots didn't do anything and people think this is crazy to even I'm crossing imagine my that. fingers
3: that greg's gonna cry like brunel <laughs> <those
4: Yeah>, <laughs> but just imagine but that they're coming from that perspective and he and he's saying imagine that that all that these guys had to go through all this and the patriots are going to use it as fuel right I well, think they will, if, unless they find a smoking gun Kraft's not going to live to regret that well he's not going to get any
3: apologies that to mean. that to that note Jay Glazer of Fox Sports reported Monday that the league's investigation has zeroed in on a Patriots locker room attendant who was seen on surveillance video taking the footballs from an official's locker room into another room at Gillette Stadium before bringing them out to the field prior to the kickoff and we got some more details from another source too right about what room it was.
4: Right. I mean there's been there's been reports, uh, it was on pro football talk about that they took it into the bathroom and I mean, It just it goes on and on, but I think it's a story that we're not gonna learn too much more the rest of the week. Unless someone, you know, drops a big bomb on Sunday morning. That that would be something. How about Belichick suspended Sunday morning for this Super Bowl and every Super Bowl in the future? <laughs> well, I was at the park with my daughter. On Saturday, when <laughs> how is that a, when Belichick suddenly they called the surprise Patriots press conference out of nowhere, and that was the pa- the Belichick one where he just went on a rant and people loved it. And I thought at that point anything's possible, didn't you guys? When you heard that, it's like what what yeah. is this press conference going to be? Like he cops to it. He, Brady's suspended, I don't know. It just feels like anything's on the table with this. It had the
5: feeling of a self-imposed like suspension. Like That, that first five minutes was one big hanging clause where I expected him to be like, and that's why I'm no longer going to be the head coach of the New England Patriots. And <laughs> then all of, of a sudden it was just a really long, boring... I resign as H.C. of N.E.P.
6: I didn't realize that press conference existed.
4: West, clearly not <laughs> plugged into the NFL world. It just seemed like the Patriots were
2: one wave after another trying to say this is the last time this yeah. will be spoken about. But Kraft, though, it was I thought it was a masterstroke. I mean, because he came out and shielded essentially, I think Belichick from having to take all totally. that heat. I mean, it is a distraction. I think if you've got to keep
4: answering these questions, it, it's not easy for New England in a huge game. What about well, I, I think Belichick also thinks what's the best for the team and. For him, it's doing that press conference. And if nothing else, getting all those players fired up or feeling like someone's standing up for them and basically giving a big middle finger to the rest of the world. What about the
3: Marissa Tomei we mentioned, my cousin Vinny, earlier? <laughs> How did it, it was one of the more surreal press conferences, the Belichick press conference on Saturday in recent NFL history. And that includes today's
4: where he wore flip-flops. Yeah, that's good a job by Bill, by the way.
3: That's, just like, that's almost like a middle finger to the entire <laughs> process. But... Uh, Referencing a, a 23-year-old uh, movie and Marisa Tomei's Mona Lisa Vito character, that was the point where watching the oppressor at my home with my son, my infant son, bouncing on my lap, take that, Greg, with your park stuff
1: <laughs> <and> your daughter. <laughs>
3: You're
4: taking shots at my daughter? No,
3: no. It's like you're trying to explain yourself as the greatest dad
4: ever, and we're trying to do a football I'm, podcast. I'm saying I had to leave it. I got, of, I got a lot of heat on Twitter for saying I can't believe you left the park uh, scene. Okay. I have multiple children too, but I'm not
2: explaining the Patriots, comp, you know, situation away with, it's with all their connected. <laughs>
3: anyway, but the, that was the Chris moment.
5: and I had some important stuff going on too. All right,
3: so that's the point where I bet it went from like a, a weird, strange press conference to truly surreal. To the point where Mo- uh, Marissa Tomei is then on the Rich Eyes podcast, explaining that she believes that Bill was being honest. and it, it, Then it spins into Super Bowl week madness, um, which, you know, just the way it is.
2: Belichick is clearly also behind the Kennedy assassination and a laundry <laughs> list of other issues that
4: have occurred to our history. I mean, more Tomei, though, the better, right? Yeah. The more oh, we can yeah, talk absolutely. about you know, the wrestler, you know? Love her. There's probably an end point to her. I'd be fine with that stuff. If you haven't seen be- Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, that's a gem. Oh, yeah, that's, that is Check a gem. out that one. Grab um, the reins, Dan. All right. Be- uh, before
3: we go, we want to go around uh, go around the couch here and talk about uh, the things that we're uh, expecting to have, that people aren't talking about, but they should be, um, because this is where we step in our expertise in the game, and I'm looking at the great Connor Orr. Uh, he's going to get us going. What are people not talking about, but they should be?
5: The fact that uh, New England hasn't really faced a mobile quarterback, especially not someone like Russell Wilson this season. I think Ryan Tannehill was the most prolific rushing quarterback they've faced all season. And now you're now you're going to face a really judicious quarterback that, that handles and takes advantage of running lanes better than any quarterback in football, I think, right now. Um, and, and I think that could be
4: a, definitely a game changer. Well, they also haven't played anyone that's really used the read option on them. Like, in theory, the the Dolphins did sometimes <laughs> in their season, but they didn't when they played the Patriots. And I think back to the NFC Championship game was, like, when the second they started using the read option a little more, that's when they started moving the ball. And that frightens me so much as a Patriots fan. That that they'll just kind of go back to using that heavy when they had their best offensive games in the 2012 playoffs. Uh, when they got knocked out, it was read option like crazy. I think that could give the Patriots a lot of problems. Mark. All
2: right, quick two points. Number one, Bill Belichick a little more handsome than I realized up close. I got right <laughs> up to I don't the front lines. that, by the way.
3: This is just my opinion because we, not, you, you mentioned know, that you you mentioned it on our way down here, and it's like yeah, he's masculine.
2: I think he's a little more handsome than I thought. Okay, all right, go on. I'm sticking to that. (laughs) Number two, I'm looking for, what about New England's recent penchant for trickery? Not a team that did a lot of that historically in terms of trick plays. They don't need to. They're up by 25 points in most games. But you got the Edelman pass Mm. against Baltimore. They're throwing, they're (laughs) throwing the ball to offensive tackles. They're lining up in crazy ways. And I thought that, you know, number one in the AFC Championship, Look, they, the Colts, the Colts knew had to know some of that stuff was potentially coming, and they were disorganized and unprepared for it. That won't be the case with Seattle. So, how does Seattle counter
4: what New England brings on that front? A little bit of maybe some magic, some madness. Well, today Michael Bennett said if they try to throw the ball to Nate Solder, Cam Chancellor is going to hit him into next week. Right. <laughs> so good luck with that. Although I'd like to see someone try to hit Nate Solder into. Next week, that's a large He's individual. A big dude. Six, seven, six, eight. Greg's a little concerned. I can feel it in the air. In general, <laughs> I like the <laughs> trick play idea. No, yeah. we we are They're not speaking. saying
3: who we we think is going to win the game. No. until uh, our final podcast before the game. And to be honest with you, even if even if I did know it, uh, I wouldn't say it. But I don't know who I'm going to pick. yet. This is a weird game to pick. I had yeah, no idea who I'm going to really. Yeah.
4: I I don't want to give anything away, but I have an inkling of which way I'm leaning. Nah.
6: <laughs> Uh, Chris Wessler. This segment is what are people not talking about? But they should be. I would say, you know, we talked about the Patriots haven't faced a a running quarterback yet. Seahawks' offense running game is is dominant, one of the top three run offenses in NFL history. But what's being overlooked is the improvement of the Patriots' run defense, which ranked 26th by football outsiders metrics Mm. at midseason and ranks second in the NFL since midseason and run defense. Wow, really? Yes. That shocks me. Well, Well, you've got Jamie Collins, Dante Hightower, and Chandler Jones, three of the best young linebackers in the NFL, and people really don't know those guys because they're only in their third or, well, in Collins' second season. They're still young, and they're just below, like, all-pro status.
4: Mm. They they are, but they're also starting a totally diminished Vince Wilfork, who had a terrible AFC championship, by the way, and not really a very good game against the Ravens. And then Silver Siliga—that That is the least known starter in a Super Bowl in a little while. He was a custodian when I was in high school. <laughs> I would think. <laughs> and then I was watching the AFC. A lot of times their defensive tackles right next to each other are Siliga and Alan Branch. And I'm thinking this is interesting that these guys are going to be such big parts of a team trying to stop Marshawn Lynch. All
6: right. So you just drove all over my stat and basically don't believe it. No, I don't know, because when I when <laughs> I think of,
4: when I'm worried about this, this spot, game as, as this a place. Patriots fan, that's the number one thing I'm worried about is the interior of that line, and like, Jamie Collins is a great player, and Chandler Jones is a great player, but I don't think of them as like, Willie McGinnis. Or guys who are good at kind of setting the edge and really tough against the run—that's not really their Dan. Their is it uncomfortable when these two are
2: arguing in a larger it's, public setting? Like this. I hate it
4: because people are watching. Everyone's
2: watching. Conor's
5: Conor's just tuning
2: a- out like a kid who doesn't want to
6: hear. <laughs> they it. say
5: statistics that you cross your leg when you become dis- disinterested in a conversation.
6: So, <laughs> it's right, just a Patriots reflex. have eleven defensive starters, and according to Greg, not one of them has tackled a running back all year. Stop.
3: Okay, <laughs> cut it out. Uh, I'm I'm looking out for the Seahawks' pass rush mm. because, listen, Aaron Rodgers could not move uh, in that game. and They got six hits on him. Uh, I think they did a little better near the end of the game, but there was a large stretch of that game where Rodgers was untouched, sacked just once. Again, a statue getting one sack. Now, Seattle's defense isn't known for its ability to necessarily pile up sacks as a stat. I think Michael Bennett led the team with seven this year, but... One thing I know as a sad Jets fan The way to get to Tom Brady Is to rattle him, to hit him To make him uncomfortable in the pocket Make him see shadows and ghosts As Greg uh, likes to point out uh, Sometimes can happen to him And if they don't do that and they have another bad job In terms of getting to the quarterback Brady's going to have a big day Mm. So people aren't talking about that But you know what Wes, they should be They should be.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Greg, final view I have so many things I no gotta, I gotta pick one. <laughs> yes. Why well, was I was gonna go more on the Collins, Hightower, Chandler Jones trio, but that they're uniquely suited to stop Russell Wilson and keep them inside the pot, keep him inside the pocket. That's what I said. All right, whatever. I thought you, you were I talking about the running game. I'm, I'm going saying more like now, some, more like running I'm crossing after. my leg. I'll <laughs> also switch it around the other way. What one thing I'd like. As a Patriots fan, everyone looks at the Seattle run defense like it's so great. They haven't been quite the same since early in the year. Dave Damaschek was talking about this earlier since Brandon Meebane left. And they've given up some good days on the ground. Eddie Lacy looked like the better running back in that game for three quarters last time. And I think the Patriots are going to run the ball a lot more uh, than you would expect. I think Blunt's going to be a big factor. It wasn't just a fluke game. I think that was like the game of his life. And he looks really good right now. And I think they'll stick with him. It's not like they're going to go switch to Jonas Gray or Shane Breen. There you go. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. And this is... This is a
3: shorter pod uh, today, so I apologize to people who thought they were going to get our typical 50-to-1-hour show. But you'll have a lot of juicy pod content the rest of the week, uh, starting with Friday and then Sunday night after the after the Super Bowl from the University of Phoenix Stadium. Uh, and Wes, just before we go, is your stomach prepared for the, fo- the softball pants that will be consumed
6: in three days? We've got a few exercises that... Mark and I have been doing um, in the hotel lobby the last couple of nights that have prepared my stomach for this. Okay, that's
3: good. (laughs) So yes, the big show on Friday will be uh, on NFL Now, so make sure, if you're not familiar, our wonderful listeners, with the NFL Now, and I, I would hope you are by now, but if you're not, now's the time to get in. This will be our first video podcast it's a big deal for us and we're gonna make sure it's a big show the greatest show ever actually by any any group of talent ever associated with the entertaining Mm. entertainment business i like Connor. use the bathroom like well before the show starts (laughs) right exactly so yeah so we will be back on friday with that big show thank you very much uh for listening this is dan hansa signing off for Connor Orr, which we need uh, we need a nickname for him, the haunted one, Connor Orr. The ghost. <laughs> the ghost. The ghost. Uh, Quiet Storm, the mailman, the boss, and TD in a truck somewhere. I miss you, and I want to be with you again, TD, <laughs> sooner rather than later. Uh, until Friday. Thanks for listening.